Hi, and welcome to another Bible study with Bumi. And tonight we're talking about a topic that I really like. I do like the Bible. Actually, you probably have got that by now, that I do like the Bible. So I do like the Bible, but I like stories in the Bible. I love the stories. I'm a storyteller myself. So, you know, hearing and reading stories from the Bible is always something that excites me. And today's story, it's a story that we're going to study, gives us an insight into what we should do when we find ourselves in a tight position or where we find ourselves stuck. Um, and today's story is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. It's 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. And it's the story of Elisha and the widow's oil. Now, the wife of one of the sons of the prophet cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. And this is a scripture that I have I have read many times. I have studied it quite a few times because I have been in tight spots. And every time I read it, it feels like God is revealing something new to me. And I hope that he, as you listen to this, that he will reveal something new to you as well. The first thing that we see is that the woman comes and says, your servant, my husband is dead. But the servant that she was talking about when she was talking to the man of God, if we could call him that, her, she was the wife of one of the sons of the prophet. And, you know, that showed me that being a son of the prophet or being a spiritual person or being a person who has a ministry or whatever it is, in our days, being a Christian does not exempt you from challenges. It doesn't exempt you from the circumstances of life. It doesn't exempt you from the things that can happen in life. If you live in this world, there will be challenges. Jesus actually says so in the New Testament when he tells us, you know, when trials and tribulations come along, when challenges come along, meaning that challenges are a given if you live in this world. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, you know, Christians and non-Christians alike are all, get, are all falling sick. Christians and non-Christians alike are in debt. Christians and non-Christians alike have jobs and some have don't, don't have jobs. Some have children that have issues. Some don't, you know, it, if you live in this world, the thing that you must settle in your heart is that challenges will come. There will be issues in life. That things will happen. Things will happen that will set you off course. Things will happen that will make you even question if God is in this world. But the truth is, and if I even pause here for a second, the truth is that though there are negative things that happen in this world, it just it doesn't change God's nature. You know, something that God was saying to me yesterday, just through the day, was that 
whether you get married or you don't, I am God and I am good. Whether you have the money that you want or you don't have the money that you want, I am good and I am God. You know that these things that happen to you don't change my nature. You know, people ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And my answer to that is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's found in the book of Romans. And basically, when Adam fell, all of humanity fell with him. The Bible says that through one man, death was given and through another man a life-giving spirit was given you know through one man adam all sinned and fell short of the glory of god so in the world that we live in negativity is a normal negativity is a normal so even if people are good bad things can still happen in and around them unless they enforce the will of God on the earth. You know, when Jesus was praying in Matthew chapter six, when his disciples came to him and said to him, teacher, teach us how to pray. He said something that's very instructive. He, he When he was praying or showing them how to pray, he basically was giving them like the blueprint for prayer. He wasn't saying they should pray like that all the time. So our father who art in heaven is not necessarily a prayer. You should be praying every day. Basically what Jesus is saying, these are the things that you need to pray about. These are the directions that you need to go in when you're praying. And the very first thing he said is our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he knew that exalting God you know, lifting God on high was fundamentally important in any of our prayers. Then the second thing that he said is, let it be on earth as it is in heaven, meaning that it, meaning that there is things happening in heaven and you want those things to come into the earth. You need to enforce the will of God on the earth. If you are a good person and good is relative because some people are muslim some people are hindu some people have people have no faith and they all say they are good but jesus clearly says to us in the word of god that the only person that is good is god so we have to have that at the back of our minds that the only person that is good is god so instead of saying why do bad things happen to good people let's just say why do bad things happen in the world i think that's a better question to ask and then you get the answer because the world is fallen the world is broken the world is you know the world is falling apart whatever you want to call it but then you know these things are normal and when we understand that they are normal we are better placed to solve them we are better placed to even know what we should be doing next so the wife of the sons of the prophet came and showed that being a christian being someone who serves god who does amazing things for god does not exempt you from challenges unless obviously you then take what is yours in christ jesus and go and enforce that so she comes to him and she says look this is my issue not only is my husband dead, but now the people that he was owing or the creditor that um, he was owing has come to take my sons because as far as they're concerned, this man is not here to pay the debt. And the only way to pay the debt is to take your sons unless you can give us the money. And then Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? You know, when she came to him, a part of my mind was wondering, did she come to him expecting him to give her the money? Did she come on the basis that, guess what? My, my husband used to be one of yours and you need to fix this problem for me. And how is that any different for us as believers who come to God expecting him to fix our problems? 
I know many times I've gone to God expecting him to fix my problems. You know, one of the phrases that God said to me a lot towards the end of 2022 was God isn't coming to save you. And the first time I heard it in my spirit, I thought, what do you mean? But basically he was saying, God isn't coming to save you. You are already saved because I sent my son Jesus to save you. In him, you have a savior. So if you keep saying, God save me, yet you are a believer. <coughs> Excuse me. You're basically putting the cart before the horse or you have things the wrong way around. You are already saved. And when you know this truth, there is a different way in which you live your life. She was probably coming to him on the basis that her husband was one of the guys who served. And the guy didn't even focus on that at all. In fact, what he said to her was, what do you have in the house? Like, let's not focus on the fact that your husband is dead or that he used to be one of the sons of the prophet. What we have to focus on is the issue that is before you. And, you know, he then said to her, what do you have? And she said, I have, don't have anything. Like, if I had something, would I have come to you to ask for help? But he said to her, what do you have? And you know what this tells me, and even what she did is instructive to all of us if we want to get out of a tight spot. You must go to God and ask for help. But don't go on the premise of what you have done. You go on the premise of who he is. When you go to God for help, you don't go based on, well, I paid my tithe. I sow in church. I'm an usher. I'm a vicar. I'm a pastor. I'm a this and I'm a that. You don't go to God on that basis. You just go on the basis of here I am. I'm stuck in this situation and I don't see a way out. Show me that way. And then when the, the prophet said to her, what do you have? He wanted her to be a participant in what was about to happen. When we go to God, we expect him to do everything for us. We have come to a point in our Christianity and in Christendom and in the body of Christ that we expect God to do everything. But if we even look back to the book of Genesis, when you have the ideal template of what God expected of man and his interaction with God, God placed animals before man in Genesis chapter two, after he had created man, he put the animals before man and then he told the man, you name them. God expects us to be participants in the things that he wants to do on the earth. And that includes when you are in a tight spot. Yes, he can be merciful and send you help that you least expect, but at least ask for help. That is still a participation on your, on your part. The woman says, I don't have anything in the house. And then he says, you know what? But she says, I have this small thing. I have a jar of oil. And the guy's like, that's good enough for me. You know, whatever you have is good enough for God. Whatever you have, even if you disdain it, even if it seems like something that can't really bring the answer that, like how can a jar of oil fix a debt problem? A debt problem that's so large that they want to take your sons. But the man of God says to her, that's fine. You know what we're going to do? Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not a few. 
when she went to the man of God, he asked her what was in her hand or what was in her house. And then he told her what she was going to need to make what was in her hand or what was in her house become a useful tool. He gave her very specific instructions. He says, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors. That's go to people that know you. You know, if you're in a tight spot, I'm not saying that the exact instruction will be go to people that know you. But basically, when God will give an instruction, he will give it specific to your situation. He will give the instruction specific to your own situation. He says, go and go in, go and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. You know, when I was reading that particular line earlier on and I saw go and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, you know, sometimes when we're in debt and the creditors have come and they're knocking on your door, the inclination is to go and borrow. But if you don't have instruction from God, if God hasn't given you a clear instruction, if you go and borrow, you'll be putting yourself in more debt. But instead, he said, go and borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty vessels. Like, don't just go to them and ask for vessels. Don't ask them for the one that they have stuff in. Ask them for the one that they don't have anything that they can release to you. And make sure you don't borrow a little. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And then as she poured the vessel, so she went out from him. So she left the prophet, she left the priest, she left the pastor. She left the place of instruction and then began to do what she had been told. She began to do what she had been told. She shut the door behind her. There is a place for quietness when you receive instructions from God. The quietness allows you to process the instruction that you have been given. There is a place for holding back before telling your husband or even your best friend what God just said to you. This is one that I have had to learn and I continue to learn in my walk with God. Recently, when God was asking me to make changes in my business, for a whole week, I couldn't say anything to anybody because I had to sit down quietly, shut the door behind myself and literally process what I had been given. Basically, she shut herself and then began to do what she had been told. And she did it to the point that she filled every single jar that she had borrowed. You know, if she had even borrowed more jars, the oil would have stopped running. And then when she had finished doing exactly what she was meant to do, when she had reached the capacity of what she was meant to do, the Bible says the oil stopped flowing. And then she came to Elisha, went back to Elisha, the man of God, and said to him, guess what? This is what happened. When I started pouring the oil, all the vessels were filled up. And the man says, go sell the oil and pay your debts. And then live off the rest. Meaning she poured enough oil that there was enough to pay her debts. And then there was enough to live off. There was enough to pay her debts and there was enough to live off. Isn't that amazing that when God gives a specific instruction, he puts within it the capacity for what it needs to do in your life. If you're in a tight spot, the first thing you need to do is to go to God. But don't go on the premise of who you are in terms of I am an usher. This is what I do. This is how I serve in your kingdom. Go 
on the premise that you need help. And that if you don't get help, you are literally stuck. And then when you get the instruction, don't question it. You know, many times we hear from God, but because it does not seem like what our rational minds know and understand, what logic says should happen, we kind of discount it. I know I've been guilty of this multiple times where I've literally got an instruction from God and then I thought that doesn't make sense. I remember when I was pregnant with my second child, my son, I started struggling with really bad nausea. And it was such nausea that I would be at night gagging. Like I'd, I'd, I'd eaten and all of that and I'd be gagging really bad. I used to have really bad nausea in the first trimester. And I remember one particular night, I think it was probably almost one o'clock in the morning. I was so uncomfortable that I couldn't sleep. And I was gagging and I went into the bathroom because I was thinking, at least let me throw up. If I throw up, then maybe I will feel better. But obviously that wasn't happening. So I said to God, help me. And as I said, help me. I just heard in my head, go downstairs and take communion. Now, I had tried all the different things that people said you should try when you are um, experiencing nausea. You know, I'd done ginger. I'd done all the different things that you could try. But I heard, go and take Holy Communion, break bread. So I left my bedroom, went downstairs, brought out the communion, sat there said the prayer, read the scripture, and then took the communion. I kid you not, the nausea started to dwindle. Before I knew it, I stopped having nausea. And I was like, how is Holy Communion the answer to, like, why did you tell me this ages ago? He said, you didn't ask for me. If you had asked, I'd have told you the answer. There is an answer for whatever you are facing. That is the truth. There is an answer for whatever you are facing. Whatever the challenge is, there is an answer. There is a solution. There is a strategy. There is a path. There is exactly what you are meant to be doing. And, you know, for me as a believer and as a Christian, one of my biggest prayers, especially even in the season that I find myself in right now, is show me the path I should be taking. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to speak to. Show me the action I should take. Open the eyes of my understanding. Let your word make sense when you ask me to read your word. Like when you're in a tight spot, you have to do it with God. Especially if you want the best outcome. It is possible to do it and do it in your own nature and then dig yourself into further issues. You know, one of the ones that I know very well, sadly from experience, is being in a tight financial situation and then borrowing to try and fix that situation. And then finding myself in further debt. But I remember when I went and moaned before God saying, this isn't supposed to be happening. And what do you mean? And blah, blah, blah. And when I was doing that, God said to me, but I didn't ask you to borrow. In this instant, he told the woman to borrow. But he told her to borrow something 
that would yield her increase. She didn't know that at the time. All she knew was to be obedient. And that's probably the final thing I would say in that when you are in a tight spot, when you get your instructions, you must be obedient. She was obedient. She borrowed because God told her to borrow. Like the man of God basically was like God to her at that point in time. And he told her borrow and she borrowed. If he doesn't tell you to borrow, don't borrow. His word clearly says, oh, no man, anything except love. That's Romans 13, verse 8, by the way. So it's not his desire for us to borrow. He says he wants us to lend to nations and not borrow. He wants us to always have the upper hand. And the truth is that with the spirit of God on our inside, we can have the upper hand. We can know exactly what to do and how to do it and when to do it. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and you have the Holy One who knows all things. You have the anointing of the Holy One who knows all things. Another part of the scripture says that, you know, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will lead you. He says that if you're a child of God, if you're a believer, if you have given your, especially if you've given your life to Christ, you are a son of God and sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Being in a tight spot is not the end of life. Being in a tight spot isn't the end of your day, of your week, of your month. Being in a tight spot is the opportunity to turn back to God and say, how can I get out of this? Show me the way. My prayer for you, even as you've heard this Bible study, is one, that you will know to turn to God. And that when you turn to him, you will not disdain what he tells you to do. You won't disdain what you have that he wants to use, but you will be willing to be an active participant and to let him use what seems foolish. Because a jar of oil to pay off debt seemed foolish. The kind of debt that required the people to come and take away two children. My prayer for you is that when you start to take actions, you will not be discouraged, but you will put your head down. You will stay focused on doing what God has told you to do. And my final prayer for you is that when you then see the increase, may it be exactly what God needs it to be in your life so that there shall be a testimony. May his name be glorified in that situation, in that tough situation that you find yourself in. May you have the instructions that you need. And may you come out on the other side of it, looking like you've not just been through fire. God bless you. God keep you in all your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.